Welcome to KD Conversations, the Kania DeVore podcast. In these podcasts, we discuss design trends, design methodologies, and explore with our guests how together we can design a better world. Hello and welcome to KD Conversations. My name is Merle Hall. I'm CEO here at Kania DeVore, or KD as we refer to ourselves. And today I'm exceedingly pleased to be joined by Poku Asai, who is our partner in um, CEO and founder of Babasa. And rather than me introduce Babasa, yeah. could you share a little bit about it, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so um, Poku, as Mel rightly said, um, chief exec of Babasa. And Babasa, people tend to want to know what the name Babasa means, so I'll start off with that. The name really just... Um, it's really about it's a concept really from south of africa which is which is ordinary people coming together to act as a support bridge for those in need and that perhaps you can see more of that when um, there are there are things such as a hurricane or um something disastrous happening but uh, happens sorry but in this case we're talking about young people in need and we're talking about how um, as ordinary citizens we can come together to act as a as a bridge as a as a force for good or as a as a way as a, you know as a way of connecting them to opportunities and babasa as we know it um babasa as we know it um, started in 2013 um, with a mission and the mission still stays true till today which is supporting young people with their professional ambitions and as young people from less advantaged backgrounds with their professional ambitions. And the, with the example that, that you talk about in terms of the root of the, the word itself, is that very much as a community that people come rather than you know, an outside force that's around how that support and empowerment happens within the community itself? It's as, as, as a community or, or given the context as a society. So what it's saying here is that... Um, you, I may not know you, Mel, I may not know anybody, but if we recognise an issue, what, what Babasa is about is saying that, hey, we may not know each other, we've probably never met each other, but we both recognise this issue and let's just join hands and do something about it. And I guess that was, in a way, the reason why we chose that name was because we wanted it to always remind us of the culture that we wanted to create, recognising that not a single parent will be able to do that on their own, typically looking at the communities within which we were engaging. Certainly not any one organisation can either. So it's about that collective, mobilising that collective um, power or that collective resource um, to, you know, to bring about the change that we, we seek uh, yeah. or the change that we want to see in, in the local communities, hence, hence the name Babasa. So it's, it's really, I guess, in a fancy way, um, what businesses or, or perhaps what um, society will call collaboration, just recognising collaboration is at the bedrock of any change, change making or systems change process. Yes, I'm feeling really quite embarrassed about the fact that I've never asked you that <laughs> question before. And um, so, in terms of, I'm trying to trying to think when we first met, mm. you, it must have been around. I think it was about 2015, maybe 2016. I think so too. I think it was 2015, and I think we were introduced by um, Caroline. That's right. Caroline um, and uh, you came in to see me, and we started talking around how we could showcase some of the things that we do here at KD with some work placements and um, also that sort of 
snowballed a bit. We've we've added some other strings to that bow around. So we've had some incredible placement students here from Barasa, one of whom we're hoping will be um, joining us shortly and. It'd be great to hear some of her experiences firsthand of what it was like coming into KD and understanding how the team works. And um, mentoring as well is quite a, a large part of what Babasa do. So some of our team have been involved in, in terms of that, as well as lots of events around how, because I think it's one of those factors, isn't it? If you can't see it, you can't be it. Absolutely, um, and it certainly is. It, and I guess one way for, for the audience, they can look at Babasa as that, you know, if we are trying to, the question, I guess, is that if we are trying to um, be that stepping stone or that enabler for young people to perhaps pursue their, you know, their wildest dreams, so to mm. speak, or, or their career dreams, or their dream career, so, so to say, then how, how are we going to do that, recognising that um, it's not that, uh, at times, you know, some of these young people... And perhaps even the idea of product design is a word that you know they've, they've never heard before or engineer that's because you know when they knock you know when they go to the next door um, neighbor the next door neighbor is not exactly an engineer or a doctor or any of these perhaps um, um, if it's any of these careers that perhaps um, one may call one one would consider to be um, be it a blue collar job or a prestige, you know, prestige career. So, so for them, it tends to be far fetched. So, what we try to do then, like you rightly said, at times is is about matching the mentor, matching that young person up with the mentor, who's actually in that profession that perhaps to them is a, is a dream career, and and helping helping them to really recognise that that is something that they too can can pursue. That is something within grasp, and there are human beings like them. That that is the professionals who are doing that. And how do you find how do you find these these young adults? Is it is it that they're coming to you, or is it that you're sort of pushing out into the community and schools? It, it's it's a bit of both. So when we started, we we would do outreach, you know, activities. We would go into the localities, into the settlements. And talk about that. Hey, we're here, and we would we may be able to help. What is it that you really want to do? You know, what would you aspire to be? You know, what are the things that you think are cool, but you think are out of your depth? So we used to do a lot, a lot of outreach activities, and then um, you know, over the period, obviously, we've grown a bit. So um, that has translated to us going into schools, doing presentations. It's also working with the faith bodies, recognizing that. You know, some young people you wouldn't necessarily attract them through schools, even if they were there. But the, you know, some are in there mm. in the first place. And last but not the least, working with some of the sort of the youth group and sort of the voluntary sector youth organisations that exist, who are mostly there to give young people a respite, you know, a chance for them to come and connect with other young people, but perhaps not necessarily looking at that um, progression pathway steps that Babasa is specifically focused on. So that's those are the different ways that we engage young people. But I must say, having been running the organisation for about six, seven years, I think at the moment what we're also seeing is that we don't necessarily always have to go out there, and we're seeing a lot more young people being referred by their colleagues. Um, so that is young people who would have experienced Babasa referring other young people because they think that they're getting something out of it. Yeah, and I guess as your reputation has grown through the city, mm. that started to snowball and have more of an impact. That's right. And how many are in your team now? 
at the moment we've gone from one and with 13 members of staff which is which is which is good because i guess the bulk of our work really depends on the human interaction and the human connections you know the currency is really trust so it's, it becomes very important that we you know we have we have the numbers to be able to engage young people directly so we're 13 now and um yeah, that is that in itself is a challenge, but it's good to be. It there. seems I think as you scale, the operational challenges grow alongside the size of the challenge, and also the size of the opportunity and how all of that fits together. So I can relate to that. I think. <laughs> um, but in terms of Babassa, and I guess what you know, we've talked a lot about this. We know there are there are big ambitions and plans for twenty twenty and beyond. What's your vision for where the organisation goes and the impact that it can make? Um, I think when we started, I remember writing this sort of one-page paper and, and um, I had this sort of personal mission, I guess. Uh, and for, for me, it was, I remember writing to, to inspire and nurture the human talent, you know, one young person, one community. And um, I forgot the third one, and sort of one country or something along those lines at a time. And I think that still holds very true in that we're very much about that. But if we were to look at an aim over the last, over the next five years, then I will specifically say that it's about for where our, for our placement program in particular, it's about trying to increase the impacts there. And what do I mean? I'm talking about you know trying to work with as as as, as many employers as possible. Um, and as well as working with as many young people as possible to, to act to really, you know, if, if we're doing about 40 young people a year into placements, um, my hope is that we'll be able to do at least 200 mm. placements in a year come, come the end of five, five, five years' time. That, that is an aspiration. So there's a call out there mm. for businesses in Bristol. Mm. So, you know, anybody who would like to be... Um, you know, understand more about how they can get involved with these programmes and how they can support some of the talent that we have in our city, they need to get in contact with either us here at KD or Babassa and understand more about how we can collectively drive that forward. Now, I know we've touched on historically as well the kind of career paths that a lot of the, the um, individuals that you're working with are particularly interested in, so that might be useful in terms of framing that a bit. Yeah, so... Um, at the start of 2019, at the end of 2018, we started to do a piece of research around the, the needs um, and aspirations of young people. So broadly asking the question of, you know, over the next 10 years, what are some of the careers that you would like to, um, as young people, you would like to um, go into, or dream careers? We always distinct, sort of make that distinction. And what are the barriers or what's stopping you from pursuing that yourself? So through that, we had this intelligence, which gave, which gave us a sense of the industries that young people will want to pursue careers in. And the first um, on top is creative and tech um, as, as an area. I think the second is arts and culture. Um, and the third sort of could be bundled under sort of education, within education, sort of public sector type. Um, in it sort of industry or cluster of in the cluster of industries, there is a fourth which is was more around the um, 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 sort of the more stem related right. related yeah. related areas i 'm talking more so engineering um, and the more numerate type roles like finance and 
and stuff. So based on that, we also using that as the basis to um, broker some more relationships uh, within those sectors, with a view that um, we'll be able to gain the, the knowledge, um, the the intelligence as to what makes that sector thrive and how young people can um, pursue their careers within there. As much as going back to young people and informing our pre pre the preparation that we do with the young people before they take on opportunities. And you also touched on the barriers and looking at that as part of your, your research. Yeah. What were the themes that came out? Um, I think that by far it was the typical catch-22 situation. By far was access a bit of a, a, a stepping stone. Maybe that's not the right analogy, but sort of the having 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 access to opportunity in the first place without experience and not having the experience and with that not qualifying you qualifying you for the opportunity so what young people were telling us that actually with some who were perhaps driven that they've, they've made attempts but they were unlucky because they didn't have the experience um, so one then be became being able to even give young people a bit of a foot in the door. So whether that is a bit of a shadowing experience, whether that is work experience as we know it, and and, um, and things of that nature. So brokering opportunities and letting them have a taste that became a bit, was a major thing. And then the second thing was the was the skill set and the and the confidence and the understanding of what will be expected of them if they were even to take on those opportunities. There are others that were classic, that the fear of being discriminated against, and a few others. But those made up um, the, my, uh, the, the made up the can I use the word the, the smallest part of the mm -hmm. percentage in terms of the barriers when it was thematically analysed. There was there was also a big factor around finance. I think finance, i.e. Um, so call it maintenance finance or call it the bursaries for them to be able to actually um, take on the opportunities like they will want to. I think those three were the first three. And surprisingly, the discrimination was only 7%, which is um, very different from when we did it five years ago, where discrimination was about 40-something percent. Wow. As to what they saw as a barrier. We did explore that further, but maybe that will be on... Um, another podcast yeah <laughs> I think it's absolutely fascinating though and what's actually starting to influence those mm. and I mean I can't relate to everything that you're talking about but I can relate to the fact that you know neither of my parents went to university I was mm. the first member of a family of our family to do that mm. they weren't there to tell me what I should or shouldn't be doing mm. or they didn't be you know they didn't have that understanding of potential career paths mm, or, yeah. or any of this and all the network around them to enable some of those to open up so I can understand how challenging some yeah. of those factors can be um, and you know I was at university in the early 90s so it was free mm. or mid 90s but I, the year I graduated 98 was the last year of free tuition fees so I worked a job, well, three jobs to pay for my way through university, but I didn't have nine grand a year that I needed to find for, for fees on top of that. So the barriers, I think, particularly when you're looking at those decisions, when you're realistically probably around 16, mm. they are often you know, monumental in the size of, of, of what that can potentially look like. It is, and at, at times, even on the, psychologi on the psychological front, 
you know, the, the idea of saying to your mum, if you are brilliant, academically brilliant, and saying to your mum, the mum, I'm going to go to university, and your mum saying, oh, so how much is that going to cost? And mm. you saying 51,000 or whatever, the figure that you would, you would, you would, you would tell 27K. You know, the idea that perhaps your mum or dad would have never had such amount sat in their bank before and, say, and, and expecting them to accept that my kid is going to, be in debt for that much is 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 psychologically in itself a barrier, um, which you can't argue that. Well, how would that play out? But the way that tends to play out is that you may then have. No, I'm not saying that most mums or, or parents that we do work with, but then you know you're likely to have the mum or dad saying that. Well, are you sure that you want to take on that? Why don't you look at a job at the moment, um, which will be able to give you some money, and perhaps you'll be able to contribute to um, to the household as opposed to going ahead to take on a debt. And for that three, four years, um, you, you know, you may not, you, you, you don't even know the outcome. It's not even set what you will be getting at the end of it. And we've, we've talked mm. around this a bit yeah, because we've, yeah. we've had discussions around yeah. university versus apprenticeship versus on the job and, you know, and various themes that sit between the two. And I think particularly now, as you touched on, where it's not even really clear what skills are going to be called for jobs 10 years from now. Mm. There was a, a report published by the World Economic Forum and they talked about the three most important skills moving forward for jobs being creativity, uh, critical problem solving and complex, uh, critical thinking and complex problem solving. So that's a very different skill set from what we've been told, you know, or certainly I was told 20 years ago when I was at school as to what I needed to be focusing on, what I needed to be learning. And I think really people still haven't got clarity around what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. So how do you begin to even support and advise yeah. these these you know, these kids who have these these what what is it you describe them as dream dream oh, uh, dream careers. careers, careers. Yeah. Cause, and I guess the, the distinction is because, you know, depending on where you're come coming from naturally, um, if if you were asked what job do you want to do, you, you know, you put on your realistic lens that oh, you know, because I know that my mum, you know, let's say work works at, as a social work, you know, in a social work company, or because my mum is a cleaner here, you're more likely to 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 aim for that, thinking that that is the realistic um, progression route. But if you were to ask the question, what's your dream career? It's almost like giving that person the permission to imagine to. To you know, to think of themselves, all things on on, a, on an all things being equal basis, and I think you all, we always get a different answer if we were to ask the two questions, and I and I think from that perspective, and I should say that I'm actually um, it's interesting you talked about the World Economic Forum piece. I happen to be the the the, the founder, the founding curator for Bristol Hub for the Global Shapers, which is the um, initiative and. I've always focused, certainly Babasa, we've always focused on the soft skills. So even up till now, we're still not doing any um, business administration level three or level four. We've always focused on the soft skills elements of things on the basis that, you know, and, and this I have also believed as well, um, that talent is evenly distributed across the world, across the globe, but opportunities are not. And if, we're, if we are able to enable young people to better identify and sell that talent then I think they'll do fine for themselves i.e. they'll be able to even identify the technical skills that they do need and go on that pathway so it's something that we we heavily focus on uh, and embed in our preparation and practice 
The question, though, still remains that how is um, industries responding to that um, to to that need? Um, and I, and I think it's getting easier by the moment. People recognizing that actually we're moving into the fourth industrial revolution, and you know, it's no more about you know whether you can multiply 10 by 10 but it's, it's about how you can work in a team and things of that nature but it is difficult in character skills and also I think it makes it more difficult because when someone is investing in your organization of that sort they want to be able to see the evidence and there isn't as much evidence around a robust sort of evidence around the metrics for soft skills so even though research suggests that that's the way to go so that also makes it a bit challenging um, for us but we focused on it and we, we, we see how that works. I think there's a real step change as well because mm. so much of what's been a focus certainly in large organisations there was that first step around equality and there's quite a lot of quantitative data around mm. equality now and how a more equal team can produce better results mm. and the next step is how we move that forward for diversity and inclusion, inclusion. and understand that within within that broader context and, and actually get the, the quantitative data which proves out the yeah. fact that we all know yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. a more diverse yeah. team is a better team that produces better results. So I think there's 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 still work to do there, yeah. but I'm I'm glad to see certainly with the businesses that we're working with, there's certainly more attention being paid to it mm. now than than there was historically. And we recorded a podcast at the Global Innovation Forum last month around this topic, around designing a better world and what that meant from a DNI perspective. And there was a huge amount of, of discussion and it was it, it felt like a very positive um, sort of actionable area that we can collect and move forward in. But I think while still recognizing there's a lot to do um, around that. But since um, we've been chatting, we have been joined by Bocato. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so it's lovely to have you back with us. So Bakete joined our team for a week. When was it now? Isn't it the summer? Yeah, somewhere like August or July, I yeah. think. Yeah. And Bakete joined the electronics and software team and yeah. spent a, a week with with um, our team down there. And tell us a little bit about, well, why don't you start by just telling us a bit about yourself and how you heard about Babasa and how you then became engaged within the organisation and, and, and arrived on our doorstep. Well, basically, I learned Babasa. I was introduced to Babasa when I was... I'm at a club called mm-hmm. DigiLocal. It helps you, like, learn about, like, types of programming, like Python, and they give you tasks. It's, like, a club that I do to su- support my knowledge with computer science and stuff. And then John, who is, like, the leader of it, he, like, introduced... Because, like, I was quite older than the other people that they were there, so... He would like try to help me with like work experience and stuff, and then he introduced me to Ayanda, which like um, he in- so that <laughs> helped me like with my work experience and stuff. And like after that, she introduced me to Reach Robotics, yes, which I did a work experience there, and then I did Kenya Dufert, Duf- yeah, yeah. So <laughs> my experience at Kenya Dufert was really nice, like. I first was in the software team, as you know, and like the computer science behind it with like Python. I was with Chris, I remember his name. Yes. Yeah. And he taught me about Python, the things that I did know a bit, and then some things like I didn't know. And it really helped me like 
find my ways with like how I could improve my computer science like career like mm-hmm. I want to like the career kind of career I want to invest in and stuff so yeah like and <laughs> what do you think what how do you think the time you spent here sort of changed your perspective on what you want to do next I know like I was interested in computer science when I came here but it also like opened my mind to other like careers as well because I did the art I think I remember and yeah. it, like design was it yeah it was like an like my, I think you could say mind opening like yes. like different careers and yeah. stuff and it opened my mind to like different things I could do in the future as well like how I can ch- add things to my computer science and it's and how stuff. they all fit together mm. yeah definitely and it's how actually and that's sort of what we is the the central part of our proposition as a business it's not a question of just looking at the software element it's understanding how then the user interacts with that mm. software yeah. how the, the customer needs to access yeah. the information and do it in an intuitive way yeah. and how actually the piece of hardware that 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 UI might be appearing on what that actually if it's not a phone for example yeah. know, what that looks like and how all of that ecosystem mm-hmm. fits together yeah definitely and I like the one part I remember was the I think it, the way Kenya Dufit like is interested in like helping the planet and stuff. I think that really interested me. So it kind of made me think like I want to invest my like computer science or like technology side of myself to, to do something to help the world like with the climate change and stuff. So that's yeah. that's amazing ambition. Yeah. <laughs> so have you been out marching on the? On oh the no, I've thing? seen it. I'm very passionate about it. That's yeah. why I do. I study geography in my college mm. because I'm quite passionate about like the climate change and like helping our world and stuff so we've all been out marching yeah <laughs> <laughs> we've been knocking off on a, early on the Friday afternoon yeah and wow. getting out there. but it is it's hugely important and I think actually technology will play a massive part in the solutions that Def- are needed to drive yeah. that forward and I think you know if you look at the field of AI for example there's a real concern now when we're looking at that within diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. that if you just have I, AI is, is is intelligent learning based on programming and if you just have for example uh, a, you know, a room full of white men yeah. know, all from the same background yeah. you know sort of sat there all programming then ultimately that's going to be great for them but yeah. what about the rest of us? Yeah definitely yeah. so it's really important that we look at how we can sort of drive diversity in those teams and a lot of the conversations we're having with our clients are around that. Yeah. So what are you doing your A-levels now? Yeah. So what are you studying? Computer science, geography and sociology. It's quite a broad... It is? Yeah. But I think that's what helps me, like, being with, like being in contact with Babasta, it helps me, like, find my way. Because we did work experience in my secondary school where we had to choose. But I don't think it was enough for me. So I feel like Babasta really helped me, like, find different paths and like trying to further my way like I should do my career and stuff I think a lot of the schools are so busy certainly from the conversations I have with pupils at schools they often sort of say that they are just said you know they're sent off and said go find your work experience there's no support network or framework like you get at Babasa to suggest maybe this or maybe that or have you thought about this so yeah having that extra support is is really important and I I think I always struggle with the concept that at the age of 15 when you're deciding or even before that when you're sort of 14 and you're deciding your GCSEs yeah you're potentially cutting off career choices yeah that you know for example if you decide not to do 
three sciences, then yeah. there are all these career choices closed off. Yeah. And how at the age of 14 did everybody know <laughs> what they want to do with their yeah. lives? I certainly didn't. Even 16, um, no, 17 right now, yeah. I still don't know <laughs> yeah. what I'm going to do. Like, I, I know where I'm going, like the head, the path I'm going. It's just like, it's the specific, yeah. 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 So what's next after A-levels? Have you started thinking about that? I definitely, I really want to like do computer science in university. Yeah. So, and yeah. going back to the conversation that we were having the other day around apprenticeships versus university, would that be something I'm interested to yeah. get opinions from people who are at that that point in terms of decision making? Would you consider an apprenticeship? I think I need to do more research into it. I think, yeah, because mm. do I don't have like that much knowledge, but I feel like maybe I should keep my mind open and still still look at other paths as well. Yeah. So we, we've taken on our first apprentice here this year in the mm. Innovation and Insight team, Holly, yeah. and I just, she puts the rest of us to shame in terms mm. of the capacity to just absorb information and learn. Wow. I think it's just because our brains are really mm. old and fried now, yeah. <laughs> so we, we can't, you know, we just can't, it's just, she's so fast yeah. in the way that she's absorbing all of this information and knowledge, she's really, really awe-inspiring to, wow. to work with. <laughs> yeah. so, so it sounds like there are lots of, the bus has opened lots of doors. Yeah, even people in my college, I've seen some of them, they're linked with Babasa as well. Yeah. So it's really good, like they're really helping like young people and trying to make them feel like more clear about what they want to do in the future and stuff. So yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. Well thanks for coming back in to see us Kate. Yeah. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll poach you for a bit more work experience uh, <laughs> Thank you. in the summer. Um so final question back to you, Peku. In terms of the we've touched briefly on sort of the ambition, what would you like to see if if if, if there was one thing in twenty twenty that you could drive forward or change, what would that be? Oh, that's quite an interesting question. I think, I I I think it'll probably be. I want to say positive, positive engagement from employers um, on that front. And what I mean by positive engagement is at the moment, because like you rightly said, the conversation is the conversation around around DNI is sort of gain momentum, and, mm. and and at times it feels. Quite agnostic. Some organisations, you know, just want to have some level of affiliation, but not actually doing anything in terms of opening up opportunities, like like how you know KD KD has and and have been consistent in doing. So I think positive positive engagement from the point of view of one, you know, from business in terms of wanting to learn, wanting to actually open up opportunities for people like Bokoto. And and, 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 and and looking to scale that where it benefits and feedback where perhaps it's not benefiting as much as possible. So I think it's broadly that um, without going into specifics. Really. I think that's brilliant. And I, I couldn't yeah. agree with you more. Mm-hmm. I think we've certainly seen that as well. And across initiatives like the BASA, also Canada Gap, the piece that we do around quality. There's so many conversations. Mm-hmm. But I think it's time for a little less chat and a little <laughs> bit more walk. So yeah, right. I think that's uh, that's a good point to, to leave it with today. So hopefully, if some of you who are listening to us today are in a situation to start influencing that and engaging with Babasa, I'm sure the last half hour has convinced you of exactly why you should be doing that. So thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to KD Conversations. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you could please rate, review and subscribe, that would be fantastic. Thank you.